Aalto University Podcast. This is Cloud Reachers Podcast and I'm Tomi Kauppinen hosting you today and I have a fantastic guest Julia Guseva. Welcome. Thank you for the warm introduction, Tommy. Great uh, that you joined here. So, I mean, you have been super active in video production as a theme lead um, uh, for the Alto Online Learning uh, since, was it like... 2016? Yeah, 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 so quite a long time already. So can you share some insight that you have got uh, on the way? Yeah, absolutely. That's been a very exciting journey for me. And I can say that it it has also taught me a lot along the way. Like basically the idea behind the video production scene was that when a teacher decides to create educational videos, they don't know how to approach it. Or when they actually start to approach it, they run into the same kind of challenges or problems that other people have run already before them. So we decided that why don't we create this community of people um, who are working on the same thing and provide training for them uh, so they can actually know what's ahead of them and uh, participate in different workshops because, you know, those challenges are more or less the same. So, for example, like the most common ones are uh, video presentation skills, um, then poor audio or video quality, or then, uh, for example, overcrowded videos with all kind of information. So, you know, this is other things that are not typical to only one person, but rather everyone runs into them. So that's why we have this training to address those challenges. And then we as well provide individual support and kind of take into account the specific project of the the pilots. And then uh, based on that, we have also, well, we have been, you know, thinking how to make it as a process. And uh, then we came up with a um, with such a process that after attending the training, the teachers actually go into the production and we offer three video production categories. So the first one is self-service. Well, quite self-evident. Mm-hmm. So the teacher has the uh, panopto to record the videos with. It can be in a self-service studio at your, with your own laptop or in any other place that you can kind of create the setup yourself. And it's, you know, easy and fast to produce. Mm-hmm. Then the second category is uh, what we offer is a small video production crew consisting of a cameraman, sound designer, and um, editor. And then there is a mini studio where you can shoot your videos, or then there can be uh, some set built on any other suitable location. And uh, for that category, we we do require people to attend the training beforehand. So when they actually come to the studio, they are... Uh, already, you know, prepared and sort of knowing what's what the process is. And then the third category is for those people who have already done quite a bit of online material and or been uh, very actively, you know, speak, speak like uh, in public speaking. Um, and then there is an international publishing plan or at least publishing plan outside yeah. of Alto. Exactly. So that is kind of the Hollywood category. Yes, exactly. Or we had some o- drama to yeah. it. <laughs> or Ota Wood ca- category. I mean, Otaniemi, where we are now recording. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. 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 Very nice. Hey, uh, can you, I mean, you have uh, seen so many videos like what people have done before they attended the training and also what they have done after the training and also talked with the people. So... Have you seen some, you know, like like 
improvement uh, improvement or? yeah but also like how how did people feel themselves where they so their yeah. own videos <laughs> well i mean when when you you go in front of the camera for the first time during the training usually you feel paralyzed <laughs> because mm. you are used to presenting to the audience where you have interaction and human contact but when mm. you need to be like very focused and speak to the camera it's not a natural setting for the teacher no yeah and then you don't know what to do you like your eyes start to wander around your hands are like yeah. either very close or doing something totally crazy and those things that you might not even notice sometimes yeah yeah but then when you see a video of yourself it's like Am I really doing this? Yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. why we have the training. So before the actual shooting days, you know, people can practice and like work with our help, you know, on certain like mm -hmm. aspects of video production to actually, you know, reach the better quality next time. It's, um, I mean, it, like an important thing to understand that it's a steep learning curve and you don't need to be too harsh on yourself. Don't yeah, expect yeah, to have yeah. like, you know, great videos on your first try. You know, mm -hmm. but constantly mm -hmm. you'll get better when you understand a bit more how it works and how it works, especially for yourself, because we have all of us yeah, have a bit yeah. like different learning styles and different mm -hmm. presenting styles. Yeah, absolutely. And also I what I've seen also a uh, few videos um, kind of before and afterwards, uh, it's uh, it's so clear that the um, kind of the ability to tell stories that's developing so fast, even within like few shots right i mean they actually yeah, get the point that uh, that it's it's storytelling and rather than just delivering some information at the front of the camera yeah there is more to it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly so um if you yourself think about i mean think about your past and uh, and also um exactly now uh what drives you in learning and teaching um well i can say that maybe it's the feedback and by feedback, I mean overall the kind of two-way or multiple-way communication. Because whether you are a teacher or a learner, you need to get, you know, feedback to improve yourself. Mm. And it can be, well, not only, let's say, positive or negative feedback. It can also be a feedback in, uh, in the form of coaching, where you kind of get a bit sense of the direction to which you can develop. And in here you can get it from your peers, for example. Yeah. And uh, then, well, if you're a teacher, it's just so easy to get, you know, if it's stuck in the routine that you're doing, let's say you've been teaching the same uh, same course for many years and uh, you always need to find this kind of inner motivation mm -hmm. and maybe challenge yourself and maybe other people would also challenge you to kind of find the new methods of teaching, to dig deeper into the content and find some new angles uh, of that material and kind of make sure that you keep on creating the curiosity for the for the learners and also for yourself. Mm -hmm. Is it somehow <coughs> uh, rewarding uh, when you see people developing, for example, their video presentation skills? Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's the kind of encouragement and then you understand, yeah. okay, maybe we are doing something right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the right direction to go and there is always something to, to work yeah. on further, but at least you understand that. The direction mm -hmm. is right. Is there a role for the experience kind of, I mean, if you have done it before so that you know that, you know, certain person with certain abilities can actually grow to have better skills and, I mean, actually can deliver better, better videos after some time or after trainings. Is this bringing some confidence in meeting new learners? If, for example, if there is a new teacher who has never done any videos, 
What do you think? I, yeah, I completely agree. And some people sometimes when they come, they think like, no, 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 I, I, I don't want to be in the video because I'm just not meant for that. <laughs> I don't have the, the personality to be in front of the camera. Well, well, who has it? I mean, it's it, it's a skill that you need to develop. It's yeah. uh, it's not something that you're born with. Of course, for some of us, it might be a bit easier, or maybe we just have more experience of some like public speaking. But as a, it's a skill and it's something that you just need to work on and you need to, I don't know, maybe come to the studio on your own sometimes mm. and practice, practice, practice. And then eventually it will become like more natural and like more fluent for you. Mm. So perhaps it's even better to emphasize all your personal kind of characteristics. I'm not talking about the waving hands and so on, yeah. but, I, but I like like really the, the way of being in the world, right? Yeah, exactly. It's we're uh, all unique. <laughs> we all, yeah, we're all unique, and it's about the personality. You know, we don't want to, you know, create some robots for the video. I mean, for first of all, it's important to keep the teacher's personality, you know, in the video because, you know, students they, or like learners in general, they they get this, well, inspiration from a person, not just from someone who is delivering the content, but from this unique personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah perhaps. Uh, can it be that people actually also learn how to tell stories in the lecture rooms? I mean, at the front of the audience, because isn't it the same there as well? I mean, if yeah. you bring your personality there rather than just read out loud the <laughs> slide texts, which can happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but sometimes in front of the audience, it might be a little easier to, to be this storyteller, to be this engaging storyteller than in front of the camera. So yeah. this is... Maybe a little hard, harder to yeah. train or... Yeah. Do you know, by the way, um, just heard a fantastic story a few weeks ago. Uh, do you know where it actually came, uh, this kind of idea that there is some guy at the front of the audience? So, well, I mean, look at Greeks. Yeah. I mean, did they have, I mean, uh, many books and many online, you know, materials? They didn't. They carved the information to, you know, to actual stone Stones. quite often. Of course, papyrus, uh, Egyptians, and so on. But, uh, but um, this was the main model. I mean, you have the stone, literally book made out of stone. It was super heavy. I mean, how mm. do you carry it? Also, your audience, perhaps they didn't know how to read. So there was really need for one person who reads the text from the stone, Again, it's heavy, so you yes. don't move around. So you have to actually stay in one place, and then you read it out loud to other people who listen to you. <laughs> so, yes, think, I mean, about <laughs> think about it. I mean, this has been the model. I mean, but nowadays, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, why, why do we, you know, I mean, I mean, even, even just taking your, you know, like uh, device with you and and walking to the center of the crowd that might be also you know something to experience and explore why not yeah why not yeah yeah it's kind of the thing has been evolving through through the years but sort yeah. of the model is, <laughs> model is, is the same. same exactly so i mean this is of course uh, um i mean it's it's a lot of uh, space for uh, truly philosophical questions like okay well are we i mean if if this whole thing was invented today um, should we somehow follow this kind of path or should we invent something completely different? Yeah, yeah. Well, would, would it be something that we would invent like now yeah, yeah. in the year 2019? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. exactly. If we would like to now 
deliver some information to other people, what would the design look like? Yeah, that's very philosophical question. It's, it's philosophical question, <laughs> yeah. but then on the other hand, then then we uh, with the kind of design attitude, perhaps we we can find models that work much better. Yeah, yeah. Or not even even um, like really improving like at the first place, but really looking looking at the opportunities that the current settings and and obviously technology and and uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, with all the opportunities that you know we have now, and are yeah. we like utilizing them yeah. to the extent yeah. that we could? Exactly. Yeah. A lot of lot of information, different forms available, and you know we can deliver this information in so many actually communicating forms. Yeah, yeah. And even sometimes if you sort of understand, you know, maybe which direction you want to go, but you still don't really know how to get there. Yeah. And this yeah. is sort of connected to that to that yeah. question, like yeah. what is that best way of exactly. you know delivering the content. Exactly. Delivering the I mean information in situ, I mean in into your context. Of course we have search engines and they are kind yeah. of trying to do it in many ways, but are they even doing it super well? Are they really understanding the actual context? And is it what the learner benefits or, you know, mm. some advertisement, you know, agency or companies exactly. using the advertisement agencies. So really who is the who is the learner there? Yeah. What are we actually learning? Yeah. Are we learning something that we want to learn or something that others want us to Learn. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> like, are we really thinking from the learner's perspective, from the yeah. learner's point yeah. of view? Like, yeah. Because that's exactly. not always exactly. the case. Exactly. Yeah. And can learners take kind of the power that they can? I mean, they want to learn this and not be, you know, kind of <laughs> mm. disrupted by by a lot of lot of information that they actually didn't want to know about. Yeah. Hey. Um, Coming back to your career and life, so is there some turning point or, you know, some event moment when you realize that things are actually a different way or you want to change your mindset or, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, maybe something that maybe opened me a new perspective of how I think about learning was when I realized that sometimes... Uh, I get, you know, the, the best or like the smartest ideas when I'm, uh, you know, reflecting on my own and uh, not necessarily in the classroom. I'm referring to the time when I was still a student, even though like in the classroom, uh, I could get a, still like a lot out of it. But sometimes I needed this, uh, you know, time on my own to process and to reflect. And then I would come up with something. Well, as I saw it, it was great but it didn't happen in the classroom. So then some years later, I realized that actually maybe blended learning is something that is a solution to kind of address the, in a way that like the needs of different kinds of students. Because for example, if um, if we are talking about, well, flipped classroom in one way or another, where you have the theory online, and then you have that reflection time bef before the classroom, when you know you can spend as much time as you need and think as much time as you need, and then then you go to the classroom, and then there is a discussion, then there is some hands-on activities, uh, project-based learning, and and whatnot. But then you are sort of already prepared, and you kind of reach that you know the, the, that mental state, which sometimes is not possible when it's a uh, you know very traditional learning. 
that's like one thing. Or like the other thing is, um, again, in blended learning, you have uh, some opportunities for people that um, might be not that willing to share their thoughts with other uh, people in the classroom right away. They might be shy or they might be introverted. But then uh, blended learning offers some other options, such as, I don't know, online discussions, forums, some other assignments that can be done online and then can in a way like tailor to different people. So that's why I... That, that was the time when I realized that, that blended learning is uh, something that can, well, tailor to different audiences because yeah, we are all yeah. different. Mm -hmm. And there is like no way that works. If it works for you, it doesn't mean that it works for me. But when you have a bit a wider spectrum of possibilities, yeah, yeah. then maybe all of us can learn a bit better or can mm -hmm. be more involved and mm -hmm. can enjoy the process of learning more. Mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of freedom to choose from perhaps slightly different materials or examples or tutorials and then, then yeah, exactly. uh, kind of feel ownership about your own learning yeah. rather than somebody pouring information to you. And exactly. <laughs> everybody does everything in this course. I mean, well, it <laughs> won't happen anyways. <laughs> yeah, so that was right. somehow like this turning point in, in my thinking about learning. How do I learn and how do other people learn? And we actually maybe learn in different ways because... Mm -hmm. Usually the model is such that we all learn the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, never happens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, very interesting to hear because, I mean, um, my my touch to blended learning was uh, when I was thinking heavily, how do I even, in theory, have more time with the students, mm. right? So then I started to do these tutorials online and started to give them to people so that they can be more prepared and then we simply have a nice workshop kind of setting for the teaching. Very interesting to hear your perspective from a kind of another, I mean, yes. from the student perspective. But honestly, I mean, when I was a student, I, I never, I mean, I never thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I somehow like, I, maybe I realized better that there is something that kind of to address this problem. Mm -hmm. But it, at that time, I was just thinking that maybe something is not working as it should be. And yeah. I didn't have a solution for that. It was just something that I had, you know, in my head for some time. But then when I actually started working at Alto mm -hmm. and realized how certain things can be done, and then we started implementing blended learning. And then I thought, okay, well, if I was a student now, that yeah. would be a yeah. better model for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is really nice insight because I now I'm I'm reflecting now my my past studies and uh, I was almost never in lectures because I didn't feel that I get anything. So I was reading from books, making exercises. Um, I was also super social, but in like student life, social circles, learned a lot there. And then of course this was also a big motivation to go to company world before my PhD, mm -hmm. right? To actually learn by doing, which didn't happen at the university. Yeah, because, you know, but, but we I didn't mean, have the chance yeah, back then. There was no chance. I mean, there were some few courses that kind of offered this kind of project-based learning, but, uh, but uh, you know, it's, and it's still not that um, common, really, I mean, at the universities. I mean, there are, there are certainly project courses, and there are, of course, some programs that are doing better, so they have even all of the teaching in, in, mm -hmm. in groups and so on. Yeah, it's getting to that direction, but still, like, the, the scope is really, really yeah. small. We're yeah. not we're not there yet. No, absolutely no. 
Hey, um, talking about online, what did you yourself learn online last time? Good question, yeah, because it happens more often than you actually think it happens. <laughs> but for for example, this week I was uh, uh, learning Finnish spoken language online through some uh, online video material, online audio material, and then some exercises online. Nice, nice. From uh, our university or from Aalto University or it was It was, a, it was uh, initially made by University of Uvascula, but it's available for Aalto students okay. as well. Nice, and that was so. It's all online. Uh, well, that particular part that I was doing, yes, it was yeah, it was yeah. online. So yeah. I could just go to the website, listen to the conversations, then I could see them in both spoken and the written language, and then do the exercises. So mm-hmm. purely online. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you see this role of? I mean, you were listening to these examples, but um, uh, and now we are making a podcast, right? So it's actually our voice only. So how do you see, could this be one of the trends or something that more teachers should pick up and just record stories and are letting people to learn from them? Yeah, absolutely. And as we see, the, the podcasts are overall developing very much. You know, you ask someone, someone is listening to some podcast, but in teaching, we don't have them that much yet. And I honestly don't really know why, because... It's not. Uh, it's maybe easier to even produce than videos, mm-hmm. and then the students can listen to them, you know, on the way, and mm-hmm. or, or or home. But it's something that uh, doesn't, in a way, require you to be like in in a particular space to listen to them. Mm-hmm. But you can be anywhere and still have this, you know, uh, whether it's some conversation or just some short monologue from a teacher and then you can mm. reflect on that mm, mm, absolutely i i recorded some um, kind of samples for my information visualization course last autumn and uh, i'm planning to record more uh, for the coming course upcoming course uh, and uh, just came an idea to my mind i have to share it immediately so i don't know if you. so um Kind of, I mean, if you if you listen to it, because I've been thinking heavily, okay, information visualization. How on earth do you? I mean, it's just voice, right? So I mean, now we are talking about visualizations. I believe that by using illustrative words and uh, this kind of language, we can still make a lot and and deliver the you know the ideas and, and thoughts. But uh, just a new idea came to my mind. How about? I mean, you you have the podcast. Let's say five minutes on, on a certain topic about information visualizations, then the student can herself, himself, uh, look at different examples on her, his phone, browser, you know, I mean, even Google for them, <laughs> if you like, different, when when uh, she hears some, uh, some interesting examples or theories, uh, we can, of course, offer just a website where you have all these examples. So it's like kind of making a video, but very interactive, super interactive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can choose what to do. You can even go to your favorite news site and you know let this guy <laughs> talk on the on the side and on the background. Yeah, and that's... you know, and when you go running, perhaps you can listen to the story again. Perhaps then you can kind of apply all these visual ideas to the nature around you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if it's we're talking about some like short episodes, then it's you can listen to them as you said like a couple of times because sometimes yeah. you really get new perspective when you listen for the second time after you have processed and checked some visual material as you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, let's let's try this. Let's uh, try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can we can think like uh, how to actually do it and uh, then test it Absolutely. so and now we are sharing the so <laughs> but you have already launched right the some podcasts episodes so, for your students uh i did not so mm-hmm. i recorded them and uh, i was planning to because i'm i'm giving a course on information visualization um uh, this year in alta university but then also in likely actually in german as well uh so i was thinking of using this there and here Okay. Um, so that's one additional way to yeah. uh, media, if you like. Yeah, would be interesting to get. Or the even like, um, I'm, I don't know. What do you think about this? Uh, if you, um, I'm sure. I mean, you have experienced this. Uh, you give a talk somewhere, then you get this email. Hey, the audience like the uh, talk very much, and uh, in fact, many of them were asking for slides. Or even if not, then the organizers ask for the slides because they want to upload them online. But I'm always thinking like, okay, well, slides, thanks for the slides, but I mean, there is no voice, there's no soundtrack. Yeah, because right. with only the slides you would get way less than you would get with the yeah, voice, but exactly, without the slides. Exactly. Yeah. So lately I've been thinking that, okay, how about uh, recording a podcast? about the talk, even beforehand. And then when they ask about the slides, I'll give both the podcast and then I'll give a short video where I use this voice soundtrack for the exactly same slides. Especially, I mean, uh, quite often they ask for PDF versions. Kind of, come on, I mean, <laughs> I mean, my slides are so full of animations and uh, different visuals. I mean, PDF version is kind of, doesn't you know, translate the no, message. <laughs> it doesn't. And without voice, without a story, I mean, what is it anyways? Yeah, and how many how much people can actually get out of it? Yeah, Not that yeah, much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always almost like if you went to movies and then after all, wow, that was a nice movie. Can I get uh, you know, a few screenshots of it? Okay. Kind of, yeah, but yeah, are but they random screenshots and are they really delivering the story, you know? Yeah, it's like, what's what's the point, kind of? Okay, yeah. you, yes, sure, you can get it, but I doubt that you will yeah. actually even try to check them afterwards because exactly. you still won't get that much out Exactly, of it. and people buy soundtracks of movies or they buy the whole movie, right? But uh, I don't. I don't think they ever buy the visuals of the movie. I mean, <laughs> exactly. without the soundtrack. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing, right? Yes. Isn't it? Well, this is another philosophical <laughs> question and a new model. Yeah. Yes. If we continue this for a few hours, perhaps we invent. A, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Brainstorming <laughs> in the podcast. Hey, Julia, I want to ask you. Um, I mean, thinking about all the all that you have done now with uh, fantastic stuff with teachers and, and videos and and um, online courses. Um, what kind of vision you have for the future, future of learning? Yeah, another another philosophical well, <laughs> question, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think now at, we are at the stage where we, 
where we know where we want to go, like sort of the direction maybe where we want to go, but we really don't know how to get there yet. And I'm talking about kind of transforming the the overall, the kind of the learning systems that we have. And maybe one of the most important things is, is about the assessment of learning. And here I mean that, well, with these traditional exams, you just don't, well, students don't learn. I mean, of course, you can prepare for the exam. You can keep the information in your memory for three days. Once it's done, you're like happy to forget it. So the exams, basically, they test the, the, the factual knowledge. But what about the application of the knowledge? Can you actually apply the knowledge when you go to your first job, for example? Mm-hmm. Probably not. As you said, you had to learn everything yeah, uh, yeah. like was... hands-on when you were there. It was like, yeah. you know, learning sort mm-hmm. of from scratch. I don't know how much your education in a way helped you. So I think kind of transforming how we assess the students and kind of uh, adding more of this uh, evaluation, on, let's say, on the field. So we actually have those project tasks where students learn to apply the knowledge. And maybe that would be a fairer way to uh, evaluate them, whether they can apply the knowledge in practice or not, rather than knowing only, you know, the, the factual information and... That that's something that I don't know how much time it will require that we would just completely change our mindset mm-hmm. for that. Even yeah. though I think many people already understand it, that, hey, that's there is a problem and we need mm-hmm. to fix it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. doesn't it also call like um, for communities and uh, kind of forming a network or a community where you have both the academic uh, people, students, obviously, companies, I mean, staff of the companies, the society in general. I mean, we have so, so big challenges now, grand challenges, if you like, uh, facing this society and uh, perhaps we should all learn together Mm. somehow to cope with this. And then what is exactly this kind of model for continuous learning or lifelong learning or (laughs) whatever you call it, extended learning? Yeah, I think it somehow should be like multi multi dimensional, as you said, and not very like linear. What we yeah, have it yeah, nowadays, yeah. and um, something that I've heard that Finnish schools are implementing, for example, this uh, kind of phenomenon based learning. When maybe you even know, yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> better, better yeah. about that than me. But yeah. when uh, uh, when uh, uh, students at school they get to learn about phenomenon from the different mm-hmm. perspectives and kind of see the, the, the big picture and not to kind of learn all the different things like inter like yeah, disconnected yeah. from each other. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that that's something that, that will then stay in their heads. Mm, mm, mm. And hands. And know. hands, yeah. <laughs> Kinetic uh, memory and so Absolutely. on. Hey, last but not least, if you, uh, I mean, our podcast is called Cloud Reachers, like reaching out dreams or online or clouds, <laughs> Cloud Reachers, um, If you think about uh, who is the cloud reacher in your own field, somebody who has a big dream or reaching out something bigger. Uh, well, I have uh, personally been uh, uh, following the uh, well e-learning in CUTS and uh, consultant in the field, uh, um, Connie Malamet, and she's especially focusing on the instructional design and also visual design of the courses. And I have been listening to the podcast. I've been reading her blog, and I've got some some good ideas for myself. So I can only recommend. 
Wow, thanks. I will. I, I didn't know her, but now I know, and I will certainly check. And all you out there listening to this, uh, please check. I mean, of course, this episode, <laughs> and then other episodes of the Cloud Reaches, and uh, what um, what Julia just recommended. Do you have a recommendation for me, if I may ask? <laughs> um, I really like uh, nowadays um, Twitter communities. I follow quite a few really super interesting people there. That's I mean, it's 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 a nice platform. Let's put it this way. I mean, there is uh, obviously a lot of negative things as well. But uh, for example, Laura Kalbach, which I had as a guest in one of the episodes uh, of this season one of Cloud Reachers. And, you know, without this kind of platforms, there is no way to have this kind of interesting discussions, at least with those particular people, I would say. Of course, we can still have <laughs> locally interesting yeah. discussions and... But uh, I think uh, this, these online platforms can really change Absolutely. how things are. That's another level of yeah, communication yeah, that we yeah. all experience in nowadays. Yeah. And let's yeah. take the full advantage of it. <laughs> Absolutely. But I really, really think that online is just one thing, but it's really good to then connect in different other ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> you what showed we, with <laughs> your example. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, thanks, Julia, so much for joining uh, CloudReachers and uh, have a nice day all of you who are listening to it and are looking forward for the next opportunity to host Julia again. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. It was great to be a guest. <laughs>